You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. The NFL draft is officially behind us. The Kansas City Chiefs actually have rookie minicamp this weekend, so make sure you're on the lookout on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network for all of our press conferences. But we'll start things off today with the latest episode of Beach Season, the final episode of Beach Season, giving out their Kansas City Chiefs draft grades the Monday following the NFL draft. After that, it's the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. I joined Pete and John for an NFL draft roundtable as we now look towards training camp. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we had a special edition of the Chief Stockwatch podcast recapping the NFL draft. Price Carter was joined by Ryan Fowler of the Draft Network. And then we'll wrap things up with the latest edition of Show and BK going through the draft picks and deciding how we feel about the Kansas City Chiefs signing left tackle Donovan Smith. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Let's go through the draft grades um, and, and talk about each individual player. Nate. FAU, Felix Anaduki Uzama. Got to get used to saying his whole name because he's one of us now, baby. Born and raised Kansas City boy. Went to his first Chiefs game at seven years old. Played college football at K-State. You know, he's a, he's a son of, of Kansas City. Um, at 32, you like the pick. What's your overall grade on him? And why should Chiefs fans be excited? Yeah, so I give this an A. And when I'm looking at pass rushers, there's three things I kind of want. Athleticism, productivity, and good tape. And I know that sounds really simplistic, but a lot of NFL edge rusher prospects do not check all three of those boxes. FAU checks all three of those boxes. He might lack, like if we're talking about him as a player, FAU probably lacks any dominant trait as a player. I think that's why he's not a top 20 player because given his age and productivity and kind of the awards in college, that generally is a top 15, top 20 player. The reason why he isn't, he might not like that like dominant trait. He doesn't have overwhelming length. He doesn't have overwhelming power, bend, explosives. He, he's good in all those areas, but I wouldn't consider anything of his game special. What I would say, the reason why I love this pick is FAU is going to be a good pass rusher for the next 8 to 10 years. The dude knows how to rush the passer. He already has an arsenal of moves. He already kind of has a pass rush plan already developed. He, he understands how to rush the passer. And that sounds like incredibly simple. But if we're kind of comparing it to this draft class, like Lucas Van Ness, Lucas Van Ness has a dominant trait. It's length and power. And that's going to overwhelm at times. But Lucas Van Ness doesn't know how to like convert every kind of trait into that right now. So that means it's going to kind of take him a long time to really develop. FAU might not have any like dominant reps. He might not have like 12 sacks a season at his peak. But his win rates and his pressure rates are always going to be high. Because he just knows how to rush the passer. He has bend. He knows how to get off. He can use his hands. He has controlled power. The question for me for FAU is, 
what, now that he's going to be playing a little bit wider and not inside the tackle, what exactly does this first step look like? Is he going to be a guy that can really threaten tackles of that first step? And the second kind of question I have is, can he add a little bit of weight and play strength to kind of develop a speed to power game? If those two things are there, if he does have better get off playing wider, if he can add power to this game, this guy's going to be an eight to 10 sack, 70 pressure guy a year for the next seven to 10 years. And that's incredibly valuable. So I don't think he's that far off. I think his profile suggests someone that's usually a top 20 pick. I think there's small things to be concerned about, but given the scheme he's going to be in, given the defensive line room that he's going to be in, I think FAU is going to be someone that we look back four or five years from now that's drafted higher. So I'm, I'm going to say that he's definitely an A. I love this pick. He was probably my favorite prospect throughout this process. And I'm just glad we kind of got him where we got him. Yeah, and so listen to Mike Borgonzi talk about him. He was kind of asked, like, okay, so what is it about FAU that sets people sets him apart? And what he basically said was FAU's dominant trait is his motor and relentlessness. And that he and he said maybe it's because he wears number ninety one. But when I watch him, I see Tom Bahali, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what he said. And so, and I mean, obviously, that's very high praise, you know, for a Chiefs fan. I was a I, I think Tom Bahali was maybe one of my first true, true draft crushes when I first started watching any kind of film or anything like that, where I saw him and I said, man, I just, I love this guy. I love how he plays through the whistle and I love how relentless he is. Um, do you think FAU has any of like that, that kind of Tom Bahali streak in him? Um, uh, yeah, I, it makes sense. We get, they're, they're, they're different style of players. Tom was a little bit bigger. Um, kind of through when he was playing. He was kind of more of like a 280 rusher. But they were both kind of the same way. They're like, Tom didn't have like a dominant trait. I watched the older version of Tom Bahali, so maybe he was different when he was younger. But like, Tom didn't really have like a dominant trait necessarily. Um, he just kind of knew how to rush the passer like really, really well. Like he knew how to kind of win from a variety of angles and things like that. And if he used the same way, this guy just, like I keep mentioning it, but he's like Mr. Pass Rush. He just knows how to rush the passer. He knows how to kind of use the angles the technique and how he uses kind of length and arms and he kind of has that plus physical profile so i i can see the tom bahali comps different body types but in terms of the kind of the ways they win as a pass rusher i i think it makes sense to compare them this is weird but i know like obviously the tom bahali comp comes up because of the former chief but i actually think the tom bahali is comp is uh george Karloftis. A little bit bigger, plays more power, straight up effort. He's also working with Tom Bahali this offseason with the hand fighting and everything that he did with kind of like, I think it's like jiu-jitsu or karate or something like that, some form of martial arts. But, I mean, that's that's the player that he reminds me of. Uh, for FAU and, like, the pick as a whole, I'm with you guys. Like, I, given how the board fell, I think comparing him to Michael Mayer and Brian Branch will be – or not Brian, Brian Branch as well uh, and Joey Porter – will be interesting. Um, I think, you know, given how the board fell, you definitely weren't going tackle there. You weren't going defensive tackle with Brzee coming off the board that, that they were at the cliff of the wide receiver spot. So I, I like to pick out, you know, I was horrified. I was sitting there because I, I did not tip picks for the FAU pick. So I didn't like look at my phone. I just wanted to be not a camera in sight, just a man living in the moment, um, listening to sweet words of card cut. And when I heard the, I was like, oh, don't you say Keon White. Don't you say those words to me. But I was I was very glad that they kind of held their water. And I was also glad to see that they took a true edge. 
not a tweener. Like that's part of the reason why I didn't like the Keon White talk is because like we're just going to get all these guys who are like, well, they can't really win on the outside. They're better from pass rushing on the inside. Well, it's like, well, you can't have seven guys pass rushing from the inside. Okay, we got to have some people on the outside. FAU wins on the outside. Um, especially whenever you look at how productive of a player he was in college, considering a lot of times he was like lined up on the inside of the tackle or over, or sometimes straight up at the guard with that like three, five, five that they run or whatever it is. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. I think he's got more bend than pretty much any current chiefs edge rusher has, which, which is good, you know, and, and BJ Thompson, will get to him in a little bit, but I think that this signals a little bit of Joe Collins influence on the line here. Um, I, I think, you know, it just felt really good to pick a Kansas City kid in Kansas City. I guess he apparently was running around at the draft with Deuce Vaughn earlier in the day, and then they went home for the actual draft. But it's like, man, the only thing that would have been cooler is if he was there and able to come out on stage. But he was a fringe first-rounder. Um, I, I get it. So I, I, I really like this pick. I really like the process in the first round here. Um, it, it, it feels like one of the more safe picks that the Chiefs made, and I really like what the Chiefs now have. Like, the Chiefs pass rush for the first time in a long time feels interesting and exciting i mean yeah if you have think about carloftis fau um omen hugh and chris jones and that's your four pass rushers on third down that's a handful to deal with for any offensive line and i don't think it could be overstated and i said this during the live feed but the fact that he grew up a Chiefs fan that he went to his first Chiefs game when he was seven years old. Like you've seen the videos online. He is in tears thanking Andy Reid and Clark Hunt and Spagnolo for taking him. This guy wants to be a Chiefs player more than anything else in the world. And if you think about it, like we're all huge, huge Chiefs fans, right? And none of us will ever see the football field at Arrowhead. But if we had if we had FAU's body and FAU's opportunity to play for the Chiefs, like I would literally play until I was dead in the ground and give every single ounce of everything that I have. And that's why I think this is a can't miss pick because it's just such a cool story and it's such a cool situation. And because it means so much to him that I don't think he can possibly fail. Like, I don't think he'll let himself fail because he's that motivated. Like I, like if I had the opportunity to play for the chiefs, I would run through every single brick wall. I would do every single thing that was asked of me to make sure that I was successful, including if you're listening to FAU, getting up early in the morning, going with George Karloftis to go practice jujitsu with Tamba Hali and practice hand fighting because that was a game changer for Tamba in his career where he went from being a really good player to being one of the best pass rushers in the NFL once he started working with the hand fighting specialist. Yeah, and I mean, one thing with FAU, too, is like he's really a high football character player. Um, and I think in the past, uh, these last two years, the Chiefs have really shifted to those type of players. Nick Bolton was a really nice change for there. Um, you know, there's some issues with Anthony Hitchens, Tyron Matthew, just some people that, you know, didn't always have the highest football character. Not bad people. I mean, Tyron Matthews is a fantastic person off the field as far as what he does for communities and such. But, uh, you know, just didn't always want to put their nose in when they wanted to. Um, when Business FAU decisions. Came, yeah, Business yeah. decisions. When FAU came out of high school, he was 215 pounds. And he just, like, put all this muscle on his frame and really transformed his body. So, um, and that high motor and everything, like, there's a, a, a clip that was cut that was running around on Twitter of him, like, he comes off the edge, makes a read on a run play, 
Then they the running back cuts the other way, and FAU pursues it all the way down to the far hash, the complete opposite side of the field, and then ends up making the tackle. So he like impacted the play twice, just straight up by hustle. Like he made the original zone read, and then went and made the effort tackle at the end. So um, I, I love this pick. Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's an A pick for me. Um, moving on, Wanya Morris, uh, Nate Christensen. Uh, what do you think? What do we want to do, do, they... in... do, do them in order? Go to Rashi yeah. first or next? Oh, yeah, let's go to Rashi. I don't know why on my list I had one ahead of Rashi. <laughs> Apologies. All right, Nate, Rashi Rice next, you know, bigger wide receiver, kind of in that, you know, doesn't get a lot of separa- separation, but could jump out of the building, bodies guys up really, really well. Um, interesting thing that he was in Dallas with uh, Patrick Mahomes catching. But it wasn't a known thing until after the Chiefs selected him. Like, like Quinton, Quinton was out there catching balls from Patrick Mahomes, and it was all over social media. Zay Flowers is out there catching balls all over social media. Nothing about Rashi Rice catching balls. And then after the draft, after he was selected, Mike Borgonzi was asked about it, and he said he was. Rashi Rice was in was in was in Texas. I had no idea. And then he like winked at the camera. Right, and so was this a little bit of uh, the Chiefs playing playing the, the social media game and kind of setting everybody up, making them think that they were going to go this way when all along they were going to go another direction? And then also, what do you think of the pick? Yeah, it's possible that they could have done that. I do think Rashid was their target. Um, to talk about kind of the pick, um, I had eight or seven receivers above Rashid Rice to name them real quick: Zay Flowers, not Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, Quinn Johnston, John Mingo. Jaden Reed and A.T. Perry and Jordan Addison were the seven receivers. So six of them were gone by the time the Chiefs were picking. The only one that was left was A.T. Perry, um, who went in the sixth round. I, I don't know why exactly, but clearly the NFL teams weren't super high on him. So overall, Rasheed Rice would have been the top receiver on my board if I'd known A.T. Perry was going to be there. So I'm a fan of him. Um, to kind of talk about him as a player, um, there's two things that kind of stand out about him. Number one is his body control. Um, kind of his ability to kind of like, there's a lot of talks about kind of his drops and stuff, but he does have really like strong contested hands. I'm going to keep saying this like 10,000 times. Just watch the Maryland game, watch the Maryland game, go watch the catches he makes the way he kind of locates the football, the way he can kind of catch from these like insane angles. Um, that's something the chiefs just haven't had kind of since maybe Dwayne Bow. Not, not really since I've been following the chiefs. They haven't had a receiver necessarily like that. But the thing that really stands about Rashi is he's actually like a very like smart wide receiver. Um, I was kind of going back watching his film today because I'm writing him up this week. He recognizes zone coverage as well. He understands leverages. So like there is kind of this component to him where he could be like a Juju Smith-Schuster light type of player. Um, the main kind of thing hold up with Rice, even for me, and I'm going to give this pick a B. And the only reason why I don't love this pick is that Rashi Rice does struggle to beat man coverage. He doesn't know how to get off the line of scrimmage right now. Um, I don't want to get into a whole thing about separation because I really hate the word separation because I don't I think it's very um, I think people just assume separation is being like Hunter Renfro, which is like there's many different ways to get open as a wide receiver. It doesn't just have to be like an NFL Twitter clip, Um, but he's definitely not the strongest of getting off the line of scrimmage and it's going to take time. I do not think he's going to be able to beat press at an NFL level immediately and how well Rice kind of succeeds in the NFL will be determinant on how well he kind of develops in that area. Um, to talk about kind of his role real quick with the Chiefs, I think he kind of serves as what Justin Watson did last year. I kind of want Rice in that role, which is essentially MBS's backup. So when MBS is off the field or they want a different personnel package in, 
You bring in Rice. That's around 500 snaps a year. I do think you're going to want him in the slot a little bit more so he doesn't get as much press. But because of his ability to kind of recognize coverages, I think that's kind of a benefit. So to kind of wrap this up real quick, every receiver the Chiefs could have taken in this range probably would have gotten a B for me. Every single receiver after those top guys is probably going to be an average-ish starter in the NFL. Rasheed Rice is kind of the gamble on, hey, maybe this guy cannot just be an average starter. Maybe we have a guy who can like legitimately be a wide receiver one or wide receiver two. I'm fine taking that gamble in this draft class. I like some of the players on the board. I would have been fine with them at 55, when they, but Rasheed Rice is the one guy that I confidently will say, could say could develop beyond that type of player. And the Chiefs can find receivers any year. It's Patrick Mahomes. Take the risk. It's the second round. You can take that gamble. You, you're afforded that because of the quality of your roster. So for me, it's going to be a B. I, I like the pick. Um, and I, I'm kind of excited to see what he looks like in a much better offensive context. Awesome. Awesome stuff. I, I 100% agree with, with almost every single thing you said. And I think it's probably a B for me as well. Uh, Price. So Rasheed Rice, what's your takes? What do you like about him? What don't you like about him? And why are the Chiefs the best um, covert operations team in the NFL? I'm going to be a little bit more lukewarm on Rasheed Rice. Um, I'll I'll probably give the pick a C. Personally, for me, like given that instance and everything, I probably would have went Marvin Mims or Cedric Tillman over over him. They were both on the board at the time. It'd be interesting to kind of track those three players and see how they line up. Uh, two very different players and Mims and Tillman, both kind of them like Rasheed Rice, kind of like the nice little happy middle in between them. The thing about Rice is, is this is a project. Uh, I do not see a I put a Twitter poll out asking if he would out produce Sky Moore this past season. And it was an overwhelming yes. And I, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I agree with you. I part, know. Of, Part of the part of the thing is with Rice is is he and I com- I agree SMU the way that they used him they almost like were setting him up for contested catches, but yes. Rice came in and in in the press conference said that he models his game after DeAndre Hopkins, my guy you are not DeAndre Hopkins, he was listed at six six three at SMU but he's six foot on the on the nose, um and two hundred and three pounds, um he just like he he needs a total redo of how he models his game i think the raw athletic traits are there for him to be a good nfl receiver my comp for him is brandon Ayuk. like that that's that's who i'd really like to see but the problem is that's not how he plays and he's going to really really need to renovate and redo his game now do i think the chiefs can do it yes but given how like a ready-made wide receiver struggles in year one for the chiefs i think that this is a going to be more of a long play now, again, you look at the RAS and everything, like it's very encouraging. And the good news is, is like those ball skills, they're going to stick around with his ability to make contested catches. Those can still stick around, but the not getting free releases, the lack of separation, um, those those are concerns that are definitely going to pop up. And something else, too, with him is like if you're a Chiefs fan, you're a huge believer in this turf toe injury because like his 2021 was much stronger than his 2022. Um, now he, he did produce a lot. I mean, he, he almost averaged over a hundred yards a game in this past year, but the tape wasn't as crisp. Um, it's interesting. He just doesn't, and like, you know, I, I just don't think a lot of us know what we expect from him because some people, you know, I've heard the like MVS replacement for him, but he doesn't really have the straight line speed to be an MVS replacement. And like, honestly, I, I wonder what this means for sky Moore a little bit, just because like, 
I don't know. Do they do they really think Sky Moore can win on the outside? Because like Rasheed needs to be in the slot some. You know, Kelsey's gonna mix in there some too. Like right now you have like and like Tony, you can definitely see mixing in there some. Like right now you have one guy that you feel absolutely plays on the outside, and that's MVS. And then it's just kind of like, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's a little bit of like the Island of Misfit Toys where it's like, we've got about like four guys that we feel like could play on the outside, but probably are best utilized in the slot. And that's not including Kelsey. So um, it'll be interesting. I don't, you know, um, the the Justin Roth truthers uh, might be scared by this one because they're very similar players, like kind of like where they win and how they win. Um, so I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I probably would have went Mims or Tillman. Like Mims just feels more like the skill set that the Chiefs value. Um, he will get a good look at him twice a year with the Broncos. Um, but yeah, I this pick I, I'm a little more lukewarm on. But I will say, if the toe injury is as big of a deal as we're making it out to be, um, I believe Patrick Mahomes has in his contract that he's allowed to make a pick every time he wins a Super Bowl. This was his pick. He's you know it sounds like he really lo- liked him, and all the media stuff that the Chiefs have put out seems that they really were infatuated with rice let's hope it means good things yeah and i think that one one area where you're going to see rice like rice may probably won't out out catch sky Moore this year just by sheer default that sky Moore is the second year wide receiver in andy reed's system but also one of Moore's big selling points coming out of college was his release packages were supposed to be pretty advanced and pretty well developed um and so and Moore said himself on his um on his on his on his documentary series on YouTube in the very first episode that he didn't have a good grasp of the playbook until week eight of the season. And I think you can kind of see that when you watch the games early on in last season. So I think coming into this year, he'll be a lot more prepared and ready to rock. Um, one area where I think you will see Rashi Rice be used and be effective is inside the five yard line in the red zone, right? You know, where, no, nobody's going to get a lot of separation at that point. You're going to throw the ball in a place where only he could get it and let him try to make a play on it. Now, I'm not talking fade patterns because I hate fade patterns, but, you know, put him in the slot on a quick slant, throw it low, let him go down and try to grab it, you know, off his shoelaces and catch a touchdown. Um, so he might get more touchdowns than Sky more this year, but he's not going to get more yards and more receptions, you know. And so that being said, okay, so we've talked about Rashi Rice. I'm at the point where in Veach I trust. I think that, you know, who who I rather would have had him take besides the point at this point. He's a Kansas Well, I, I think so I, I, not to argue, but I, I would say like this next pick we're gonna talk about Wanya Morris and then like the next, the following pick in the fourth round, like they've they've built a reputation. Like you feel good about the Chiefs taking and developing cornerbacks and, and offensive tackles. The wide receiver's been a little bit more of a tough like conundrum for them to solve. Like, basically, you're looking at McCole Hardman, who was, you know, Dexter McCluster plus, um, and you've had Sky Moore, and, you know, just just not a whole lot otherwise as far as developmental wide receivers. So, like, Rasheed Rice is another chapter in this. Obviously, we're going to get another look at Sky Moore. But but I do think there's a reason to, to meet this with a little bit more skepticism. I'm not saying that I'm out on the pick or anything, but I do think, you know, just overall looking at it, I the Brett Veach, like, we trust him on this. I would like I, I would like to see a little bit more before I just say like the Chiefs are good at developing wide receiver play. Well, to say the Chiefs are good at developing wide receivers is a double-edged sword, though. They've only drafted four wide receivers in the first round in the history of the entire organization. And they haven't historically even taken a lot of second round wide receivers. So they haven't invested draft capital in the position until recently. Um, 
So, I mean, if you're looking at their first round wide receivers that they've taken, they've taken Dwayne Bowe, Jan- John Baldwin. Um, and then you have to go back further that I can't remember off the top of my head from here, but you know, um, they, they just haven't valued the wide receiver position like other teams I, have historically. I think, I think even more than Sky Moore, I want to see what Kadarius Tony does this year because, like, Sky Moore, he's got like the athletic, like, he has physical limitations and then the small school step up. But Kadarius Tony, you're talking about like a guy who it's a first round pick, has athletic traits that are elite, SEC level of competition. He just like, you know, runs four or five routes like he needs to develop. Like, I, you know, we've talked about this before, but if he comes out this year and is a much more developed route runner, like then I'm going to really start to believe that they can kind of continue to invest a little bit later compensation into the position and generate like Patrick Mahomes worthy weapons other than Travis Kelsey. All right, back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney and John Dixon here. We are now joined by our fantastic Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, our drafts on-site extraordinaire, Steve Serta, who will join us for a draft class roundtable. Steve, did you have fun draft weekend? I did have fun. (laughs) Um, It it was a long week. Uh, You mentioned we broadcasted live for four straight hours on Thursday night. Um, That's a lot. It's been a while since I've, uh, with my radio background, I've done some really long live shows with no breaks before. Um, We've all been there. Since I since I went that long, uh, but it was a ton of fun. Uh, was really happy that I got to cover it with Caleb and Ron. They did a fantastic job all weekend, and it was kind of nice being there all three days uh, for the Arrowhead Pride listeners. Because I got to tell you guys, on Saturday there was no media there. There was like seven, <laughs> there was like seven people in that media room, and three of them were me, Caleb, and Ron. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised on Saturday with the lack of media at Arrowhead. I, I mean, even though it's Saturday, we still get the scouts and we still get the players via conference call if you're there. And we, you know, we didn't see a lot of a lot of media members on Saturday. Everyone, hey, look, it, the draft continues on Saturday. That's where the Chiefs actually do some of their best work, as we right. find out through through right. the years. All right, let's start this draft class roundtable. We're going to be a little positive with our favorite pick each. We're going to be a little negative with our least favorite pick each, and then we will grade the class. Okay, Steve, John and I have been yapping all show, so let's start with you. Who is your favorite <laughs> pick in this NFL draft? I think I am going to go with the Chiefs' sixth-round pick and defensive tackle Keandre Coburn. Um, and we, uh, I know for a fact our AP draft team did some write-ups uh, on him and how he would fit into the Chiefs, but – I think getting a position of need that late in the draft and a guy that is projected to like, he could have a role in week one of the season, I think is incredible value because he was a guy that we thought was going to be like an earlier, like mid round defensive tackle. And I know the chiefs brought back Derek Nadi, who we've seen his snaps declining over the last couple of years. And so like, that's a position of need. And like Derek Nottie, while I love his press conferences, I think he's hilarious and I love it when the Chiefs let him talk. He hasn't exactly been exceptional or like a high impact player on the field for the Chiefs True. last couple of yeah. years. So mm. like Keandre Coburn is a guy that you got in the sixth round that a lot of people were projecting to go a lot higher than that, who is exactly what the Chiefs need on the interior of the defensive line. Like he is a middle clogger. He is a run stuffer. He is a guy that frees up Chris Jones to create disruption or whoever else they want to rotate into the middle there. And I think there's a strong chance that he winds up being a starter for the Chiefs this upcoming season. 
He also has the best personality. I mean, he was so excited to be a, a Kansas City Chief. And he he reminds me, actually, a lot of ways, both looking at some of his film and off the field, Colin Saunders, who the Chiefs said goodbye to, and, and he's now heading to the New Orleans Saints. So I think that's a, a good pick and a, a, a good fit. All right, John, who was your favorite pick of the NFL draft? Well, I think that Steve has made a compelling argument uh, for Coburn, and I and I largely agree with it. But I think I think I would like to shout out to Felix and Udike Uzoma, uh, and have another opportunity to speak his name out loud, so I get some <laughs> more practice in because it's going to sure. be we're going to have to get used to this, and uh, yes. I want to get as much practice as I can. Um, this is a case where the Chiefs had a position of need; they've had it for a while, actually. And after reading Ron's review, uh, his film review on this week after the draft, uh, I'm getting really excited about this young man. I, I think Ron, I'm hoping that Ron has this exactly right. And I think he may, that this is the guy that we've been trying to get for a long time uh, who can come in there and, and be an impact player uh, where they've, you know, tried several times with D Ford and, trading for Frank Clark and so on and so forth. I, I, they need an impact player and he really looks like he's got the stuff to do it. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. I, I, I do think the chiefs also, I think he might take a little bit while to have an impact. Um, and similar, I think in a timeline sense to George Karloftis and we'll mm -hmm. watch him develop yeah. the whole year and then he'll really maybe click at the end there. But I think that also speaks to the chiefs believing in what they got in Omenahu. I think it speaks to what they believe that they have in a, a Mike Dana. And I think it might be Dana starting and getting most of those reps at first where you kind of see, and John, this is where your fantastic snap count charts are going to come in where eventually it's going to like, <laughs> yeah, where Dana will be more of a rotational guy. And, and I think by the end, Felix will be the guy, but um, I like the pick and I think there's a lot of upside to it. My favorite pick was Wanye, And, you know, we talk about the right tackle, battle we don't need to go in that whole conversation because we we had it at the beginning of the show but i think if you have a need at right tackle and you got to throw a dart on a board how many times are we like man you know the most important thing about the offensive line is is that chemistry man there's a guy sitting there in the draft that played two years next to trey smith now it was on the left side but i just think that the fact that he had two years at tennessee left tackle as as trey smith is your left guard you got to be feeling pretty good about a him earning the job outright and b if he doesn't earn the job making sure mr big big old lucas niang maybe isn't so big old when he comes into camp making sure he's in, in tip-top shape and ready to go and so i i love the move i just i think that was such value there in the third round big long tackle i know he's a little bit more of a developmental guy like we were just saying about felix but you're picking where you're picking when you're the super bowl champion. right so mm -hmm. i just yeah i love that that wanye morris pick and i think of all of these guys when you talk about week one and snap percentage i think he's got the best chance to have the most snaps out of any of these guys because obviously starting offensive linemen play 100 percent of the snaps all right well we'll snake around back to you john for your don 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 least favorite pick <laughs> yeah i i'm not really seeing one here that i i don't like very much and i guess i'm just gonna have to go with nick jones just because i know so little about him in comparison to some of these other players. And also, um, you know, I'm not sure it was really a position of need. I was kind of hopeful the Chiefs would take advantage of this deep tight end class 
and grab a tight end someplace. And I'm I'm a little I'm a little peeved that it didn't happen in some way. Now maybe that could have been pulled off if they'd managed to get a trade back in the first round, which they apparently tried to do. And um, maybe that would have made me happy, but I certainly didn't think we needed to spend two of our picks on defensive backs. And I'm, I'm kind of pretty positive on Connor. So I have to go with Jones here in the seventh round is, is my least favorite. Well, Connor's is versatile. You know, he plays safety. You know, I, I think the Chiefs were taking another stab at, at, at a, at a defensive back here. It it's the back end of the room. So now Nazi Johnson has some competition. I, I know they wanted to keep Johnson around for this year and see what he could do. And so, you know, I, I know that we'll be watching the end of the wide receiver room and naturally that's going to be a more exciting battle to see who and whether or not Justin Ross can good luck, but break through. And, uh, but I think the end of the defensive back room is going to be another place to, to watch because the chiefs have injected a lot of young talent back there and they have, yeah. It, this is going to be a tough 53 man projection season. I'm not, I'm not overly excited about being completely wrong. Uh, these first couple projections. All right, uh, Steve, let's get your least favorite pick. So this doesn't have anything to do with the player. I, I think the player has a chance to be fine and, and to find a role with the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I think it has to do more with the circumstance in which he was drafted and acquired, and that's wide receiver Rasheed Rice. Um I think there's some talent there. I, I think there's plenty uh, of intrigue with him as a player and it fills a position of need. I, I just felt like we late in the first round, like, uh, you know, you get to pick 20 and there's not a wide receiver off the board and you're feeling like, man, that's it's falling exactly how the chiefs need it to, to, to make a move and go up and get one of these top wide receivers off the board to fill a position of need. And then, they all went like in a row and that totally fell apart. And then you get into day two and we immediately go on a tight end run in the draft. So some of these tight ends, we were hoping they'd take a look at like immediately just like back to back to back. And then a couple other wide receivers go. And, and so it felt like the chiefs were kind of like, we got to make a move. This is the top guy that we have on the board. And so I, I just felt like maybe it wasn't totally necessary for them to go up and do that. And I, there's a scenario here where we're going into the season. I know right tackle has been the biggest, like hottest topic of, of debate uh, amongst chiefs fans right now, but there's a lot of question marks. at this wide receiver group, a lot of question marks. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I understand what they're doing. Like they're just throwing bodies at it and, and hoping that something hits, but like, you know, Kadarius, Tony, it's, we know he can be a special player. If he's available, can he stay on the field? Sky Moore. We're really banking a lot on him taking a huge leap forward in year number two, where it seemed like he was having problems figuring out the offense to get on the field. Richie James is a Demarcus Robinson-esque type of player. We know exactly what he is. We know exactly what Justin Watson is. We know exactly what MVS is. Like All of those guys are fine NFL wide receivers, but they're not difference-making players. And then if you want to get deeper into the roster with like a Justin Ross and, and mm. Rasheed Rice, like... That's it's a lot where, of question marks that, that you're banking on right now in this wide receiver group, and it just feels like the Chiefs are kind of throwing bodies at it, hoping that Mahomes and Reed will just figure it out. Well, that's where you're you're wrong, Steve, because Justin Ross is on this roster, and so when you got <laughs> Justin Ross, oh, here we go, <laughs> you've got it all. No, I I agree with you. What I would maybe I don't know if it's in a slight disagreement, but what I would add 
is yes, I, I do think the wide receiver room has a lot of questions, but it's not for lack of the Chiefs trying. I think they mm-hmm. tried to retain Juju Smith Schuster. You know, New England Patriots outbid them and they had other needs, so they're not going to do that. Right. And so they were in on Odell. The Baltimore Ravens contract was so stupid. Uh, and if the Ravens didn't give him that contract with all that guaranteed money, then the Jets were planning on giving him something close. So the Chiefs were never going to meet that. I don't think that was dumb. DeAndre Hopkins are not trading for that cap number. I firmly believe, as I've described in this episode, that they were trying to trade up in the 20s to get one of the the big four that, that went on a run. I, I think especially they were high on Quentin Johnston, who sucks, but he ended up going to the L.A. Chargers. And so I don't disagree with you, but I, I think the Rice pick was, uh, like I said, I think it was, oh, damn, we're at the end of our list of guys that we see mm-hmm. as yeah. potential fits and we're going to do it doesn't make you feel great but yeah it is a it is a body throw at the position and we'll see which five or six guys make it out of of training camp john i, I you, you look like you have something to add well i was going to say that you know yes it sucks to reach do something that looks like a reach yeah. and that didn't really look like much of a reach on the numbers that i had but it felt like a reach in the moment. I think Steve's exactly right. It felt like a reach. And I think the Chiefs saw it as a reach to a certain extent. But if there's a time to do it, the time to do it is when it's the last guy on your board that can fill the need you're trying to fill. That's the that's the moment when you need to make that reach. And uh, so it's, it's a good thing in that respect. Um, but I agree. I think that the the Chiefs would have probably preferred to have a player like Flowers or Johnston in the first round. It just didn't play out that way. And I noticed today, uh, we were talking about it earlier. Um, you know, one of the reasons the Chiefs couldn't trade up is that the Jacksonville Jaguars had lost, uh, had got uh, somebody to take Jawan Taylor's place. Right when they <laughs> had to pick twenty six or twenty seven, I think it was. I, I think the Chiefs want. I, this is what I think happened at that point because the receivers <laughs> were gone. I think the Chiefs wanted to maybe get Harrison to potentially be their mm-hmm. left tackle. Yeah, yeah. Problem was that they had signed the Jaguars' left tackle, who took yeah. Harrison. So it's yeah. funny how it all comes back full circle. Right. Yeah. That and then there was no way for them to know that back in no. the day that they if they had just left it alone and come into the draft they might have been able to get anton harrison but mm. instead they they're ending up with uh well joan way and jacksonville traded back twice too right yeah. <laughs> Pick up really, picks and still got their guy really, really that silver fox doug peterson rubbing it in the juice <laughs> my least favorite pick is bj thompson i because look i don't want to wait till cinco de mayo for tacos i want to have tacos tonight i <laughs> I don't think he's a player that's going to have an impact this year. I think it's a project. He's 240 pounds. It's about 10 to 15 pounds lighter than Steve Spagnuolo typically likes. He had projections in round seven, if not an undrafted free agent. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of these speed rushers. You know, the last speed rusher that everyone thought was going to be really good for the Chiefs. You know, speed rushing at the senior bowl. D Ford. And uh, look, that didn't, that, didn't, that that brings back bad memories for everybody. He's at 240 now, but he apparently just added um, weight, you know, this past cycle from going from 220 to 240. So I don't know. Do we really think he's going to add on 200 and, you know, get to 255 when he was 220 last year? 
by the time to make an impact this year. I don't know. And I know as we were describing that the chiefs need impact edge players. And this is a player now you've taken in the fifth round. That's going to eat up a roster spot for sure. You know, you talk about those projections he's mm-hmm. on the team and I don't know how much he's going to do this year. So not my favorite pick uh, BJ Thompson. And look, as I always say, when I express negativity on the show, I hope I'm incorrect about this. I hope I hope I yeah. am eating my words and Thompson has 10 sacks. All right, uh, let's go back to to Steve for your your class grade. Steve, what would you grade uh, Brett Beach's class of 2023? I think overall, I'm going to give it a B minus um, be, because like, while I didn't love the Rasheed Rice pick, like I understand and it fills a position of need. And I feel like a lot of people were kind of knocking the Chiefs for taking positions of need. And yeah, you know, we saw like a, a team like the Eagles and they do this basically every year where they just kick positions of need to the side and say, we're just drafting the most talented guy on the board. And, and they did that and they sniped Nolan Smith, who I think would have probably been a Kansas city chief if he was still on the board, mm-hmm. on the board at that pick. Um, but like, I, I don't think that it's bad if you don't make the huge reaches. Cause that's where you see like, you know, the Raiders uh, during the the Gruden Mayock era where it was like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? That guy, the, There's no reason to take that guy there. Like, what's happening? And I don't think the Chiefs did any, any of that. I, I think that the roster it is already built around the difference makers. And so now it's just finding guys that can contribute. And if they develop into more, and that's incredible. And hopefully you did get a couple of those lottery picks from this draft because you got a bunch of them last season who are going to be starters for you moving forward. That's great. That's how you build rosters in the NFL, and that's how you continue to be successful. But they have the difference makers that they that they need uh, to already have already been established on the roster and Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Chris Jones. So now it's filling in all of the other needs outside of that and, and hoping that you hit it big with some of these guys and they're betting on their ability to develop, which they've been pretty good at over the last couple of years. So I think overall they added good depth to the roster and they got some talented players. So I'm giving it a B minus. John. Uh, I would say that I liked the draft in terms of it. It uh, They intelligently handled going after uh, positions of need. I think they would have taken the highest graded position of need uh, at 31 that they had. I think that's exactly what happened. And I, and I appreciate that about the chiefs is that they recognized that they weren't going to necessarily know what position they were going to take in the first round. Uh, I liked that about it. Um, I liked the players they got at those first three positions of need, obviously there's questions about some in the later rounds. Uh, but you know, Coburn looks like a, a great, uh, value pick kind of like Trey Smith, um, whom he knows well. So, I mean, there's more evidence that that's, that's going to end up being a great value pick. So I think there's a lot to like about this draft. I don't think there's going to be too many drafts where you come out of it the uh, two or three days after it all takes place and go, Oh yeah, there's some problems here. So I I I have a hard time giving a draft more than about a B plus, but I'll go with a B here and uh and, and call it pretty good. I did not think that I was gonna give the highest grade. And by the way, <laughs> even though I even though I wrote this rundown and I said let's give grades, grades right now are so dumb. But well, look, right. you guys love them and whatever, let's do them. 
I love that the Chiefs addressed their three biggest needs with players they feel can contribute on on day one in some capacity with their first three picks. Uh, who am I to argue really on the day three picks when they have scouts yeah, there and right. you know they've looked into these guys? So I'm I'm gonna give it a B plus, um, which is the highest among us, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and I I think they they. You know, Danan said this. We did Sunday sound off the Sunday after the draft. Danan said, and look, as he's wearing his gigantic Super Bowl ring because he's the color guy for the radio, but uh, <laughs> he said the Chiefs didn't have needs. They had voids, and they're already a Super Bowl team. They just had voids. Hmm. And to an extent, I just think, you know, that plays into what Steve was saying in, in the idea of the championship pieces are already part of the team. They had Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones. Right. Mm -hmm. And this young secondary really hasn't gone anywhere. And you just kind of added to it, which is very Homer, but it's in a way true. And I, I just I think kind of wrapping up what we all said, all in the all in the range of B, I think it would have been a if the Chiefs go and make a big time splash like they tried to do in round one and couldn't. And, and, and B just found them more than them finding a B, if that makes makes sense. If they'd actually managed to trade down and gotten an extra pick and gotten a tight end with it, I'd be all over this yeah. as an example. Well, yeah. and, and I wanted to add to that because, John, you said, you know, Felix, they take the guy that they had left available who was the highest rated guy on their board, which I agree that probably was Felix at 31 when, after Nolan Smith got selected. But also, there's no way in hell Clark was letting Veach take that away from him. <laughs> Clark, did you you guys watch the video of Clark out on stage night one of the NFL draft final pick of the first round? Clark was oh, bringing some. He juice. looked like Roman uh, Reigns out there. Yeah, yeah. It was Clark, Clark, yeah, Clark was bringing some juice. Like he was like, I don't know if this is throwing heat, but this is what I'm bringing to the table. <laughs> and there's no way Veach was taking that away from Clark. Veach was Clark was like, I am going out there and I am making a pick tonight. You are not taking that from me. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think there's a little bit of truth to that. They did look like they were calling everyone in America that final pick when they showed the Chiefs draft room. It was pretty hectic. So who knows how it would have played out. But yes, I, I think that Clark was thankful that he was able to. I like agree the, with that. Like yeah. the tribal, like the tribal chief again, pun intended raised, raised, raised his championships in the air to end the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But uh, before we dig into the Chiefs draft, we actually need to talk a little bit about a recent signing that the Chiefs made. Last night, Tom Pelissero reported that the Chiefs signed veteran left tackle Donovan Smith from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was the Super Bowl champion on the 2021 team, the Super Bowl that we don't talk about in Kansas City. Um, and he is now joining the team. Now, 
the Chiefs have already made it official as we're of recording this, which makes me think the deal was reported up to one year, $9 million. The up to is probably doing quite a bit of work there, considering the Chiefs were probably hovering around $4 million in cap space, and they've already made the signing official. My guess is that this is an in- a heavy incentive-laden deal, kind of similar to what the Chiefs did with Juju Smith-Schuster last year. Um, honestly, when you look at what the Chiefs' offensive line is – there was the plan as of yesterday was probably Juwan Taylor. Brett Veach said in a press conference that Juwan Taylor was going to play left tackle. And then Lucas Nying, Darian Kennard, and new, newly drafted Wanya Morris were going to be battling it out at the right tackle spot. However, Donovan Smith has only ever played left tackle. And there were some reports as well that uh, it was basically looked at that he was going to come in and be a starter. So the presumption is, is that Juwan Taylor is now to be going to the right side and Donovan Smith's going to be on the left side. Um, real quick, Ryan, just kind of get your, I, I don't know how much Donovan Smith you've watched lately, but just kind of, what is your analysis of the signing and what do you think it means for the chiefs? Yeah, for me, bottom line, I, I'm always a proponent of getting guys in the building where you can compete for snaps. Um, we know that Brett Veach is a guy that wants to get guys mold to spots, whether it's your, whether it's a guy that non people, a lot of people like whether the consensus or it's his guy, um, in free agency or the draft, it's going to be his guy and you bring in Donovan Smith and you mentioned it. He's lived at left tackle in his career. He's been super reliable, reliable. These first really his first few years in the career, he's not 25, but he's not 35. And you mentioned as far as he won a super bowl with Tampa Bay, that is the expectation in Kansas city. It's not trying to reach a super bowl. That is the expectation of being there in February and winning the darn thing and lifting the Lombardi trophy. As long as you have Patrick Mahomes and guys like Travis Kelsey, on your roster. So I love the addition. I really do. As far as Jawan Taylor, for me, the evaluation is still up in the air. This guy was highly drafted out of Florida, lived at right tackle at Florida, lived at right tackle in Jacksonville. I wasn't overwhelmingly impressed with him during his time with the Jaguars. And then I know we'll get into it as far as with Juan Morris and competing with Lucas Niang and Darian Kennard, but you bring in a guy like Donovan Smith that is a veteran in this league. He understands how to win. There's not a defensive front or defensive edge rusher, whether you're facing a hybrid guy at 235 pounds or facing a guy that's a little bit heavier at 255, 260. He's seen all those guys. So, and when we know, Price, the best way to allow those quarterbacks to reach the performance ceiling, a guy like Patrick Mahomes, is to keep him upright, allowing him to look at the secondary, not with his back on the ground looking up at the sky. So I don't mind the Donovan Smith pick at all. He's not old by any means. A lot of experience under his belt, and it's going to just add more competition along the front five, whether they play in a left tackle, right tackle, whatever they plan to do up front. Yeah, it's very clear that the Chiefs are just really heavily buying into this mindset that if we keep Patrick Mahomes upright and keep him clean, that he can elevate wide receiver play around him, which, you know, with the Tom Brady model and Peyton Manning model, I mean, when you talk about him and that breadth as a player, it's not a bad philosophy to buy into. Now, they have invested in capital into pass catchers, you know, two second round picks and wide receivers we'll get into here in a little bit. But I agree with you. I just I think this move needs to be looked about at raising the floor and not the ceiling. I understand that Donovan Smith has had quite a few holding penalties in the last couple of years. You can find plenty of t- uh, clips of him getting roasted by the Buccaneers fans and everything. But I one thing that I would bring up is that interior offensive line was incredibly dinged up last year. Uh, for the Buccaneers. He's going to be playing next to the best left guard he's played next to since at least 2021. I would argue in his career as Joe Tooney, I I think is still probably a top five interior offensive lineman in the league. And you still have Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith there. You have great infrastructure there. And, you know, you brought up Juwan Taylor. He's not necessarily just like, I'm not sure why we were penciling him at left tackle as good. It's possible that Mm -hmm. that transition doesn't go well. And putting him on the right side, the good news is, is like when you're looking at your evaluation of Juwan Taylor, there's just so much chaos going on in his time there. 
this is the best he ever looked with Doug Peterson. Obviously, Doug Peterson from the Andy Reid tree. There's going to be a lot of similarities there. I think this raises the the floor of the group. And, you know, I, I frankly would be shocked if anyone's starting at left tackle besides Donovan Smith this year. And this gives Wanya Morris a good year to just kind of redshirt. And he's a true swing tackle. He has played some left tackle. He's played right tackles. Well, I think in the NFL, he probably is a right tackle. But I, this is a, a raise the floor move. And considering, you know, talking about the 2021 Super Bowl, this is something that the Chiefs are committed to. More bodies, more competition breeds the best offensive line. Absolutely. Fully agree. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the Chiefs draft here a little bit. Uh, we'll start, we'll just go in order. Um, it was a very volatile first round. I think Chiefs fans, we were all holding our breath at pick 20. Like we're like, oh baby, this board's breaking so well for us. We've got all four receivers still on the board. We still had on Anton Harrison on the board, a couple of pass rushers, and even Brian Brzee was someone that we had talked to, talked about a little bit too. And then it was just gut punch after gut punch, but the Chiefs held their water. And at pick 31, they selected the edge out of Kansas state Felix on a Duque Uzama. Ryan, just talk a little bit about your evaluation of FAU and, what you think of the fit for him and KC? Yeah, it's funny. Earlier that afternoon, us at TDN actually had us over. He was over at our draft house in Kansas City. So we talked with him and, and his teammate and Deuce Vaughn. We went to Dallas later in the draft. Uh, Felix, for me, Price, is was the most explosive player along the line of scrimmage in this entire draft as far as a guy that can get off the ball. And you can never have enough guys that understand how to push the pocket. We know that they prioritized edge rusher last year. Grabbing a guy, for me, I was higher on than most in George Karlaftis after watching Ryan Kerrigan in Washington for such a long time as a guy that won primarily with power. But you look at Felix and his ability to bend the edge. You look at the old combine um, drills where you have the hula hoops and you got the towel and you're, and you're running around the hoop and you're, you're picking up the towel and you're dropping it. His ability to bend the outside and then put that outside foot in the ground and press the inside. He can win with power. He can win with speed. I want to see him get in the weight room a little bit more. That functional strength is something that he's going to have to improve upon if he wants to win with power consistently. So guys can't overset him to just counter that speed. But I really like the Felix and Udike Uzoma pick along that front four, because as I mentioned at the top, you just have to get guys that understand how to rush the passer. And he was one of those main pieces along that big 12 winning defense for Kansas State. First off, the Carl Loftus and Kerrigan comparison. I love that. That's the best comparison <laughs> I've heard for him. Because like, yeah, like if you asked me just year after year after in, in the NFL, like, hey, who's a solid defensive lineman that's like not, you know, doesn't pop a lot, but you just look down there in the air like, hey, seven, eight sacks every year. Yeah. Kerrigan, that, that makes a lot of sense. And the way he wins are very similar, right? Like a lot of effort, power, that sort of thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's fantastic to hear how high you are on FAU. Looking at him, I, I feel like he, the, the, the thing that kind of kept him in that fringe first round, early second round was that there was no superpower, right? Like a lot of times we talk about players like, um, recruiting profile maybe like when you're talking about like brian brzee or, or miles murphy or they have a superpower in the sense of freakish athleticism like nolan smith or the traits of tyree tyree wilson fau yeah. didn't have a superpower but he felt like he did everything well there was no particular weakness and you talk about you know what he brings to the line as a whole i think as long as you are able to keep Chris Jones and Casey, which is something you know we're really hoping for an extension for him yeah. here in the offseason, that gives like that is your you know that's your star along that defensive line and allows them to build and do a lot of different things around Chris Jones and bringing Felix in. I feel like he brings something different than they've had. They he's a little bit more speed, a little bit more edge, a little bit more bend, and I think it sounds like probably his one weakness was his run defense. I don't know. Did mm -hmm. you kind of see that that he struggled in the run? A, a little bit. Yeah, it's hard to evaluate sometimes these these Big 12 defenders. A lot of these Big 12 defenses run those 3-3-5 three, three, stacks. 
So it's it's sometimes it's difficult to project guys to the next level. But obviously, Brett Beach saw the explosion that that I did. A lot of other people did on tape to where you just have to get after the quarterback. It doesn't matter if you're Patrick Mahomes back there or you're one of the lower level starters or some of the rookies that are entering the league this year. You have to get after the passer. And, and I I wouldn't expect you know him to come in and have eight nine sacks from year one, but I expect the pressures to be higher. Probably the upper echelon of, of rookie edge rushers this year and probably expect four to five sacks this fall. So again, you mentioned Chris Jones. He's going to eat up bodies in the interior. George Karlaftis is going to get some attention on the other side. He's got a year under his belt already. You got guys like potentially Nick Bolton and Willie Gay coming downhill through those A and B gaps. And then you got Felix on the opposite side blowing past the tackle. So I really do like the fit of FAU in Kansas City. And, and yeah, I, I thought it was really important for them to get someone who wasn't a tweener. Like there was a lot of like Keon White smoke to the Chiefs there for a while. Yes. And um, here in KC, we were having like uh, Vietnam War flashbacks to the Breland Speaks selection because there was oh. a lot of similarities between them and the player and um, kind of like a tweener that's like a little bit oversized for an edge. Uh, I didn't think that was going to happen because they don't draft older players like White was, but he was someone who, you know, attended the draft and it kind of made sense there at the end of the first round. I was really glad to see that they just got someone who can stay on the edge and out there because Aminahu was a great signing that they made. And but he's another guy that, like, honestly, if you want to maximize his skill set, he's probably rushing from the inside on obvious passing downs. But let's move on to Rasheed Rice. I feel like so the Chiefs trade up for Rasheed Rice up to pick 55. I feel like this is probably the pick that may kind of swing this whole draft. Obviously, in the in day three, those are kind of more lottery tickets that you hope to cash in. Chiefs have cashed a lot of those in here lately. But with Rasheed Rice, he, you know, some people, he was as low as wide receiver 11. Some people as high as wide receiver five. Ryan, where did you have him ranked against the class? And just kind of what is his profile overall? Yeah, so when you turn on the SMU tape, especially earlier this fall, especially like the Maryland game earlier in the year, he was someone that was at times no one could hold his lunch. He was overwhelmingly dominant. And he's not someone that's a 4-3, 4-4 guy. He's going to be a low 4-5 guy, mid 4-4-5. But you talked about it earlier with Patrick Mahomes as far as raising the ceiling of these receivers. I really do like the Rasheed Rice pick. I am surprised where he went, how high he went. Um, there were some legitimate concerns off the field. I won't talk about it on here, but some teams had, so I was surprised he went that high. Um, but I'm here to talk about him as a football player, and I think in this offense, as far as his ability to rise above the rim, take the ball off of corners' heads, his yak potential, and what I really value about his game and projecting him into the offensive scheme with Patrick Mahomes is we know how much Patrick is able to create outside of structure and not create as a runner right away, but keep his eyes up and able to deliver the ball at every single arm angle. Rasheed Rice, when his route tree breaks down, his ability to create in sandlot plays, and you're just drawing it in the dirt, his ability to find those open areas, he did a really good job with Tanner Mordecai down at SMU when things broke down and getting catching the ball and making a guy or two miss and creating a 10-yard catch into 20, 25 yards and potentially taking it to the end zone. So I know I mentioned the 4-5 speed. I think he plays faster than that. The athletic intangibles are there above a 40-inch vert, so he's explosive. I think sometimes he gets a little bit lazy in his routes on the outside. I want to see him be a little bit more physical as a run blocker. If you don't block in the NFL, unless you're Devontae Adams or Stephon Diggs or Justin Jefferson, you got to block on the outside, even stick your face in. Not asking you to be dominant, but just stick your face in as well. But I do like the Rasheed Rice pick, and I just I think he's going to fit well with the receivers that they do have in the building and playing off of guys like Travis Kelsey on the perimeter. Yeah, it, it like I said, it's it's one of those picks that feels like it's really going to define the class. There's some things I really like, like 
I love seeing a player in an offense where there's no other threat and it's just them and he still cashes in. Yeah. Like Michael Michael Mayer was a little bit like that every year, where it's just, hey, it's gonna be him and only him, and they still win. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, there was some talk of a turf toe injury with him and mm -hmm. it, it seems like it really started to bother him here later in the year. Um, I, one thing, one thing that I wonder about with him too, is he does kind of profile a little bit different than what the chiefs have selected. They usually like separators. He's not quite as much of a separator. You know, you think back to the McCall Hardman pick, obviously Tyree kill. Um, they, they, they're constantly over evaluating, or I shouldn't say over evaluating, but over emphasizing speed at the wide receiver position. Mm -hmm. This isn't quite that. And I think, you know, this might go back to a little bit of what they had with Juju Smith Schuster, uh, what he brought to them and kind of looking for more of like a power player on the outside or in the slot. One thing that really sticks out to me that I've heard several evaluators say is that uh, Rasheed Rice plays like he's 6'6 six, six when he's six foot. And mm -hmm. he even said in the post game or in the uh, draft press conference that he models his game after DeAndre Hopkins. I don't, I don't see that. The contested catches and all that, he's very good at it, but I don't see that type of player. Do you agree? Yeah, not, not, not right now. Um, I think that may come down the line. Um, and I think you mentioned as far as separation and separation always translates from really like these high school kids coming out to college to the NFL. Um, that's not his game. So I think in the early portions of his career, guys are going to get up in his face inside that contact window and force him to get off the line of scrimmage. Not every single release has to be North South. You can side shuffle, you can back up and then make your way forward. Think of the point guards without the ball in their hand, working off the line of scrimmage. You look at Stefan Diggs, Devonta Adams, the elites of the league and separating. So being more of a tempoed route runner, I, I want to see him progress in. And even if you just ask him to be a potential red zone threat right away, I, I know you're talking about contested catches, but Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, you don't have to be the biggest guy in the world to be a red zone threat, but that separation comes into it. And I don't want to, I don't want to find myself at the seven yard line on third and goal and asking him to be two yards away from the outside hash and asking us to run a fade route. That's what Washington in the past used Josh Dotson for at a TCU, and that didn't work out. So, Rasheed, I, I like more than than Josh Dotson. Can't believe I have to bring up that name with a guy like Rasheed Rice. I do like Rasheed more. But there are some minor fine-tunings to his game that will allow him to reach that performance ceiling. But bottom line, Price, you're playing with Patrick Mahomes. He's You're open. He's going to feature the ball right in your chest, and it's going to allow him to reach that ceiling, I think, earlier in his career of being peppered with targets. But listen, th this is this is before we even get to the draft. I think the latest thing is this Donovan Smith signing, the tackle. Kind of caught us off guard. One year, nine million dollars. And I'm gonna say this: when I think about it, because a lot of people have different feels on it, um, and I'll just be quite frank: the people who have an issue with it, um, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. I, I, I'll be honest with you; I, I don't understand it. I'll just say, fellas, as a I I really love being a fan of a team like the Chiefs. And I'm a fan of the Chiefs, and I'm a fan that my team operates the way that they do. Right? They're not going to put themselves in a situation where they don't exhaust potentially the best possible situation that they could put people in. Right? They are haunted by the Bucks Super Bowl, and they will never – ever ever allow themselves to be put in that situation again and they sit there and because i'm i'm not gonna lie to you i thought i was gonna come into this sucker and say all right man all right let's see what 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 lucas niang can do and and they draft a third round tackle and, and wanye has to be named after wanye from boys to men i mean just has to be has to be named after wanye morris but 
I, I'm thinking, all right, let's see what they do. And and I'm going to be honest, I was going to tell you, I got some concerns about that being your right tackle. I, I, I do. I have some I think they can make it work. And they and I trust him to feel confident in it, but I don't feel great. Then they go out and they get a veteran. They go out and get a veteran in in uh in in Donovan Smith that can play the left or the right side, but they go out and get a veteran like that, and that that made a lot of sense to me. That was something was okay. Now it feels good. Now they can even play. Those guys in their natural position. Smith, who is a left tackle and it's been a left tackle and has been a left tackle for high profile quarterbacks and understands it like, you know, like Tom Brady. And then Jawan Taylor, who you gave big money to, but can play, has played the right side most of his career in Jacksonville. And I, and to me, they put themselves in the best position possible right now with their offensive line. And now I feel absolutely confident going into the season that they don't have any potential scary situations in tackle. And I love that they got aggressive and said, yo, this ain't good enough. We got, we've got to put our team in the best, in the most, in the most, uh, the best possible situation, with what we can do. And I'm glad they did that with Donovan Smith. I think there's a couple of things that are happening as to why people are mad about this signing. One is, People go to the pro football focus grade. (laughs) People go to the pro football focus grade and they're like, ah, PFF says he's bad. That means they shouldn't have signed him. Man, PFF said that Andrew Wiley was terrible last year. They basically have them graded the exact same. I thought Andrew Wiley was fine. I don't think he was great, but I thought he was a perfectly adequate NFL starting offensive lineman. And so you basically have, at worst, replaced him with this signing. It might not be one for one in terms of, Donovan Smith is starting now at right tackle for you, but he's replacing that spot along your offensive line. I would also add this. He does the thing that matters. Like even in what was a bad season for Donovan Smith last year, he was still a pretty good pass blocker. He was solid, at least in that regard. That's what matters for the Chiefs, man. That's what Andy Reid wants you to be. If you suck as a run blocker, man, they got an interior offensive line that'll be able to handle that. And they can scheme some stuff up and they've got Patrick Mahomes that makes it a hell of a lot easier to be able to get a few yards through the interior. Donovan Smith ain't being brought in to be a really good run blocker. That's for damn sure. So I think that's part of it. The second thing that's happening here is the money. I think some fans saw veteran offensive tackle Donovan Smith is signing with the Chiefs on a one-year deal worth up to $9 million and said, whoa, $9 million for Donovan Smith, who wasn't good last year? That up to doing a lot of work, I would imagine, in this contract. I'm sure Donovan Smith can earn $9 million this year. I would imagine this is very similar to the deal that they signed last year with Juju Smith-Schuster, where it is a lot of incentives. And many of those incentives will be on next year's salary cap. So the Chiefs are fine with the money. He's a perfectly adequate NFL starter, and he, he ups the floor four-year offensive line. You have no idea what Lucas Niang is. You have no idea what a rookie offensive lineman would have been coming in this year. I have a pretty good idea of what Donovan Smith is, and while it's not ideal, it is an adequate NFL starting offensive lineman. That And that's that's the bigger thing, sir, to know what you have. Know what you have, and now you know exactly. And and I think you have a guy like that kept – like, I look at this, man. Like, I don't know how much of a – 
a gap there is between last year's offensive line and this year's offensive line, especially when you take into account what the Chiefs want to do? Well, if the biggest problem that anybody might have with this is the money, like even if it comes out that it's not like, and yeah, the up to 9 million thing, it probably is doing a lot there. BK, like you're probably right about this, but even if it was 9 million fully guaranteed, I'd be like, whatever. That's a starting day one left tackle right now. <laughs> like that you got on a one-year deal. I get that you were arguing like, we want to have a long-term answer here. Well, the long-term answer was through the draft for the Chiefs. And that first round did not fall the way that they needed it to to draft a tackle in the first round. And Anton Harrison probably would have been the guy if he was there at 31. But the way those tackles started going early in the draft, it was pretty apparent that he wasn't going to be there. And I was even shocked that he lasted as long as he did to Jacksonville with, with how early some of those guys went. So that just wasn't going to be a realistic option for them. And when you're talking about uh, like not signing a big name free agent, like they tried to get Trent Williams a couple of years ago, like that that's just the way that it goes sometimes. So you have to adjust here. And the logic of like, I'm mad that they're bringing in a 29 year old left tackle who prior to last year, never missed games ever. And it costs $9 million. And I'm upset that he's now standing in front of Darian Kennard, Lucas Niang and Wanya Morris is absolutely insane. Like he's 29 years old right now. He's going to be 30 by the time the season starts. I'm willing to bet that Donovan Smith still has some good years left in him. And I think he is going to be the chief starting left tackle. I think this puts Jawan Taylor at right tackle where you feel more comfortable with him. And it's not unlike the chief's offensive line with Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. Mitchell Schwartz was the best offensive lineman on that roster, not Eric Fisher. And you're fine with that because you have Patrick Mahomes. You just can't have liabilities on the offensive line. Uh, are we before we move on? Are we sure of that? Is this, does this signing Smith, as we as you kind of said, Smith it's, played left tackle all of his career, if not most of it, and, and Jawan has played right tackle most of his career. But Jawan is getting paid it, like a left tackle. I mean, well, I, if that matters anymore, do we? Is that what we think it is Smith? Uh, it was to the reported. Right, to the left side? After the deal uh, was confirmed last night, like it, it was reported by multiple people that the conversations with Donovan Smith were he's going to play left tackle for the Chiefs. And and I, I think that makes sense because even Jawan Taylor, like they gave Jawan Taylor a, a big money contract, but it's not a crazy contract that you wouldn't give an elite right tackle. Like if if that's the, what we're arguing about right here, well, they gave Jawan Taylor this contract. He should be a left tackle. No. We just need him to protect Patrick Mahomes. We just need him to protect Patrick Mahomes. That's all. That's the only argument that we should be having here. And I think the Chiefs' offensive line is better today than it was yesterday. Uh, that, Absolutely. A, and I think a really there's a chance. Part. I think there's a chance, BK, that we're saying at the end of the year it's it's better than last year's. At the stuff that matters, right? Like, yep. are they going to be as good of a run blocking unit? Probably not. Like, I would be pretty shocked, honestly, if they're as good at the run blocking side of things as they were last year. But I think as a pass blocking unit, they have a chance to be a decent amount better, honestly. And to your point on the position, Donovan Smith has played 908 career snaps. You know how many of those were at left tackle? All 908 of them. Literally every single one of them. Um, uh, For Jawan Taylor, he's had more than 1,000 snaps. 1075 at right tackle, 18 at left tackle. Like 
sometimes it's easy to go ahead and just go with, hey, this is the way that it's going to be. And that's the way that this is likely to be. I don't have a problem with where you're spending your money. It's about like, if you're going to spend X amount of dollars on the offensive line, it's not inherently a bad thing to have more of that coming from the right side than it is from the left side. I, I think that that's kind of an old school way of looking at it. Like, we, have, we saw the blindside movie, and we we're like, oh, everybody needs to pay their left tackle. That's the way that it is. It's not necessarily. You just need to have really good offensive linemen, and you figure it out from there. I don't really care where they play. Yeah, and um, no, I, yeah, I mean, Von Miller lines up primarily against the right tackle. We're, we're seeing a lot of guys line up. Uh, you know, Max Crosby lines up against the right tackle primarily. So, uh, yeah, it, it, you need to have two good tackles at this point. Um, all right, let's let's get to the draft here. And the the Chiefs, they, you know, if you look at their first three rounds, they pretty much attacked everything that you would say, okay, because I, I hate even forming as a need, as we said in the last pod. But I, I don't feel like the Chiefs have any just desperate needs that they had to feel like feel like they had last year. But if you were to say the top three, it would be defensive line, receiver, tackle, offensive line, and that's what they hit the first three uh, in a row right there. And 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 solid. They went out there, saw it, bam, bam, bam. They hit it all those spots. My favorite move. My favorite move, and I know Serta will go with me because he loves receivers. My favorite, my favorite move is Rasheed Rice. That's going to be hard to say, but Rasheed Rice out of SMU, I really like. I really like the potential there, and he is the first. He he, he is maybe the only wide receiver on the roster that is a guy that has some size to him. They had him listed in college as 6'2". That was quickly uh, not to be the case. Uh, he is a shade under 6'1", uh, but still 205 pounds. But that's a, that's a size and a big receiver that the Chiefs don't have. And if you watch his tape and watch his you know, highlights and things like that, he goes up and gets the ball. Like he's somebody you could throw it up. He goes up and he and and I love that he is able to do it in coverage with you know with 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 tight coverage and goes up and gets the ball and competes in the air for the ball, and that's just something an element that the Chiefs don't have. They've got a lot of speed, especially sideline to sideline speed of guys that can do a lot of different things, but they don't have that big bigger body receiver a guy that maybe in the red zone that you could throw things up to that you can go get. And he seems to excel at that. So to me of my, of those picks, I feel like the other guys in this draft are solid guys. This one, when you're pairing with Andy and Patrick Mahomes has a chance to be, I think more than solid. So rice, the receiver, I, I am, I am intrigued. I, I didn't watch a little too much. <laughs> of old 11 at SMU in the last several days. So I'm, I'm, I'm juiced. I'm juiced about my man. And he's hard to tackle. They'll run after catch two. Come on now. He had one against somebody. I can't remember who it was, but they had him dead to rights and broke that tackle. He ran that sucker for another 30 yards. I was touched. I'm telling you, they just don't uh, got nothing like that. Steve, I know you. Love I, I understand that I brought this on myself as being the guy who just loves every wide receiver that ever is in the NFL draft. 
I actually said on the Arrowhead Pride Editor show earlier this week that Rasheed Rice was my least favorite pick of the Chiefs this year. Suck, uh, suck it. <laughs> which, yeah, and suck and it. but I did preface it by saying it's not because you know I, I think it was a total disaster of a pick or anything or like there's no potential there. I just felt like they gave up a lot to go up and get him, and and I felt like there was guys that I would have been a little bit more interested in at, at like the who? time. Who? But uh, like Marvin Mims, who was still available. And like, I think he's a really talented player. I get that he's another small wide receiver and they wanted yes. to get a bigger body guy. But I'm more of like the philosophy of your Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So just draft talented players and figure out how they fit uh, more so than drafting by body specific like position and things like that. But I don't know. I, I just have question marks on him. But one thing that our AP draft team brought up and I thought it was a really good point was like, He's really good yards after the catch. Like oh. that was something that he excelled at in college. And Sky Moore, I think, is uh, has potential to be a really good yak wide receiver. I think Kadarius Tony can be that guy too. So like, we've been seeing them do more of this over the last couple of years as they've shortened the field a little bit, but become more efficient offensively. And so that could be playing into that philosophy there, where now you keep adding these yak monsters like the 49ers have, just like a dozen of them. It seems like like. That's interesting. That's that's cool because right? you're not putting a ton of pressure on Patrick Mahomes when you have guys who can create yards after the catch. So get yourself there, sir. Come if he on. develops into it, I, I'm pretty excited about it. I just got to see more of him. Like I, I got to see more of do. what he can do with this. How team. the hell are you? Were you were rope line, hook line, and sinker? I don't know what the hell I was about to say about <laughs> Sky Moore. All right, right off the bat, why don't you get there? You're the son of a gun who has brought up who's the old Clemson guy that's got a bad neck. Uh, Justin, you keep, Ross. Justin oh, Ross, you keep bringing him up every podcast. Well, I mean, he's still on the team. <laughs> he might have you a see, chance to have a role this get, season. And you can't get yourself fired up about Mr. Rice? No, I I, I, I hope, I hope no, it works out. I hope it works I'm, out. I, go ahead, because I'm, 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 I'm a lot of questions watch, in this wide I'm watching, right I'm watching Rasheed Rice highlights right now as we speak. <laughs> All right, Ronald, get oh! you excited first and then <laughs> – and then, and then I'm going to bring you back down to earth a little bit. If you're excited about you Rasheed Rice, the, the guy that you comp him to, and I'm glad that you mentioned um, the 49ers, is probably Brandon Ayuk. Like that, that's probably the hope is that he can become something like that, where he wins after the catch, he becomes a little bit better, sharper as a route runner, uh, had real production in college. People were excited about him, but it was hard to know exactly what he was going to end up being in the NFL. That's the hope for Rasheed Rice because the way he wins, Ron, is by wearing cornerbacks like a backpack. It is not a lot of separation. Those highlights you're watching, look at what the separation is I between love it. in the look corner. It. He's going up and getting that ball. He's using his big body. I'm looking, look what he's doing against Maryland. Through, if it through works, God. if it works, he's going to immediately be one of Chiefs fans' favorite players to watch. Because the way that he wins is super exciting, man. Like it's it's DeAndre Hopkins play style. Oh. Now, now the problem, the problem is it's really hard to win that way in the NFL, man. Like these corners are so good and contested catches are so remarkably difficult. And so like the number one asset that you can have as a wide receiver is the ability to get open against man coverage. And I don't think Rasheed Rice has that right now. Could he get there? Maybe, but I, his, his route, to being very good in the NFL is incredibly narrow 
and that's where he makes me so nervous, dude. I, I personally like Cedric Tillman. Like he, if you wanted a bigger wide receiver, the guy from uh, Tennessee, he ended up going yeah. later in the third round to this uh, Cleveland Browns. That would have been the guy that I preferred. It would have been very early for him to be drafted there specifically, but that would have been my personal preference. Um, I I was pretty surprised when this was the route that they decided to go.